And we're live with our 176th episode of Absolute AppSec. I'm Ken Johnson at CK Tricky on Twitter, joined by my co-host Seth Law at Seth Law on Twitter. Seth, say hi. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. Or if it's your first time, welcome to Absolute AppSec, whatever. Uh, Ken and I are excited to be on today. Uh, we will, yeah, we got a lot to to cover. Uh, first things first, though, if you haven't booked your tickets for Locomocosec, you're probably going to miss it at this point. Um, since it, it does start, uh, we will be teaching this day next week. So the podcast, I don't know what we're going to do about the co- podcast, but I'm sure we'll have a very special episode sitting by the uh, sitting out by the pool. I don't know. I'm, I'm still half convinced, Ken, that this is just a, you know, a made up <laughs> conference as it is. It doesn't you really exist. Yeah, I'm getting catfished. I'm going to show an elaborate plan. <laughs> I'm going to show up and then you're going to put me in the, you know, some sort of a, you know, warehouse in, uh, yeah, in Vegas yeah, or something like that or LA, right? So it's just, it's just going to be Truman Show all over again. It's going to be the, yeah, the exactly. Seth show. <laughs> the Seth Show. There you go. Um, yeah. But we are, okay, so we're teaching there next week, which I'm super excited about. Um, we've also got um, Black, uh, sorry, Black Hat DefCon trainings that are available as well. I'll post those into the chat. Uh, that's the other public uh, instance of Practical Secure Code Review, aka Seth and Ken's excellent adventures in Secure Code Review. Uh, that will be, I mean, that's mid-August, right? I think the 12th and the 13th, something crazy like that. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. It's like the f- first part of the second week or something like that in Vegas, so should be good. Like right, I like it. it's Black Hat, then DefCon, and then after <clears throat> after the weekend festivities of DefCon, then there's like a Monday Tuesday. I think is what we're doing training. Yes, on, so, yes. Yeah. Which is yeah. Which I'm actually I, excited I mean, about that because I'm cool to let everything die down a little bit. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's just it. Like, I'm going to be so, we'll be so sick of Vegas by that time, right? Um, yeah. I don't but know. Speak for yourself because I love the food and I love the shows there. So I, when I was younger, for sure, it was like, it was like, ah, another night of going and drinking shitty beer or cheap drinks or whatever all night. Great. Not fun. Now it's like, I've learned how to Vegas correctly, you know? There's museums, yeah. believe it or not, they have museums there. There's other activities. <laughs> There's other what? things to do. <laughs> not just gambling and drinking. I know. I it's it. hard to believe. No, no, no. I, I, I don't it's like locomocosec all over, right? Like I don't yeah, believe I just it. Don't right? believe it. it. Doesn't yeah. Exist. yeah. Doesn't exist. It's just all lies. No, I am excited for DEF CON again though. Um, I'm excited for locomocosec, right? That's definitely more product security focused. But it'll be good to get down and see everybody in Vegas. Um, and yeah, we've got more stuff that's coming down the pipe. Uh, if your company is interested in, uh, you know, its own trainings, right. We have, uh, we have the ability to customize the course and apply it to your developers or your secure code reviewers. We've done that a couple of times. Um, reach out to us, either Seth or Ken at absoluteapsec.com, or I think just info at absoluteapsec.com. We will be posting some links about this in the future. Um, Outside of that, uh, swag is going out today. So if you are listening and you want a t-shirt and some stickers, reach out today and it will uh, will be there basically however long it takes to ship, right? Um, I finally got a package or a set of packages to to take to to the post office, right? oh nice um yeah i'm trying to think if there's anything else ken yeah so i want to mention that um i am still hiring for uh, a role on our assessment team having and i say i it's really um it's myself and john poolin uh who are hiring for that role um john is now the em of that team and uh, I manage, uh, you know, I think we've talked about it before. I manage assessment and red team managers, essentially. But anyways, um, John's hiring for that. I'm, I'm, you know, helping along with that as well. Uh, however, because both John and I will be out on P3 
PTO for a couple of weeks, that that link will probably not show up on the site just as we pause hiring for it, just because like there's no point in continuing to, you know, to try and have people come into the funnel if we're out for a couple of weeks. But uh, so if you see that and you wanted to apply, don't get worried or anything. We're just temporarily because we're going to be out and taking vacation. Um, yeah, we're just going to pause hiring on that for, for a couple of weeks. So anyways, it will come back. And if you submit today, you are still in the funnel. But if you see the link go away, you're still in the funnel. So um, so that's one thing I wanted to mention. Um, yeah, I think beyond that, we might have some international travel in the fall. So we'll, we'll talk, I guess, as we get those plans solidified, we can talk a little bit more about that as well. So no, but besides that, I think uh, that's all the news I had for our news. And we can start talking about security news. Security news. There's always stuff going on. If if a if a blockchain gets uh, you know if a wallet gets drained, does anyone care? No. Um, These days, maybe not. That's <laughs> <laughs> messed up. I should. It's probably. It's probably. <laughs> is that a loss that you can claim on your taxes? That's my question now, right? Like, yeah. Oh man, what what's the company again that's having um. Well, you know what? We won't even go down that. I don't want to get back and I don't want to go down into the crypto stuff just yet. But I know there's some there's some stuff going on there with uh, I forget which company that's not like returning or or put a freeze on people uh, so you oh. can trade. Well, that's been, that's been the question, right? Well, okay, let's not go down that. Is, yeah, is, I know is, it's is, easy to hold to go down. Yeah, if we go down now, this is where we're gonna. This is what we're gonna talk about. So about all hour. No, okay. So instead, let's talk about that recent article that was posted on um, Daily Swig. So sure. on Port Swiggers. Um, I'll post this, in Slack if you post. Yeah, or I can I post guess. both. It's whatever. Copy paste is really hard when you've been doing this for that long. Right. <laughs> Here, I'll put it there. Okay. Sweet. Okay, so this was an interesting, um, uh, yeah, okay, you and I both have our, our definite, you know, opinions about this, right? Uh, uh, but basically, uh, this company, Red Hunt, right, Red Hunt, Hunt Labs, scanned the internet and basically said they've identified 1.6 million secrets leaked by websites, right? Um and Portswigger uh, summarizes it up, talking about API keys, cryptographic secrets, um, credentials within JavaScript files and client-side source code, right? I, like, I would, I would also argue you could probably find a lot of the same stuff, and we'll dig into it here shortly, but you could find the same stuff in mobile applications as well because of the way that these secrets are actually used, right? So the initial thing is there's these millions of secrets that they find, and we have... Um, systems that scan the internet all the time looking for secrets, right? Or looking for interesting stuff. So that in and of itself isn't that novel. It sounds like they just scanned the Alexa top million or 10 million sites, whatever, like whatever that latest list is, right? Um, and then, and yeah, you know, came I have this, this list too, in case you're curious. I just posted it in Slack and uh, oh, here on the but this is the actual list of things they're searching for. Um, so if you wanted to reference that. That is interesting. Yes. Oh, I, actually, I'm going to share that really quick. Hold on. Um, do, 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 do. I know what, even... what most of this is, but except for the only thing I don't know is what is, so what is a sauce token? A sauce token? Which one are you looking yeah. at? Uh, line 26. Hmm. I don't know. What is a sauce token? Oh, sauce I don't know. I guess token. it's got to, it's got to be like, obviously some service. Oh, it's sauce. A, a sauce token, saucer swap. Um, sauce labs exposes a rest API that allows you to perform operations, manage accounts and retrieve data programmatically so you can use a sauce platform great i don't know what a sauce platform is Saucer swap. it looks like, it looks like it's it's like a uh swap token for ethereum or uh yeah ethereum pretty sure yep that's what it is it's a DeFi well, payment network so yeah 
Okay. All right. Okay. So cool. I, that's interesting that that's the one that they popped in there. I think it was probably just easy to identify via regex. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Contains a private key. So, okay. All right. So this is all the stuff that they're looking for. Access AWS access keys, secret keys, artifactory, code climate, Facebook, Google. I mean, it, it, this is basically what you would assume that you'd be looking for. I'm sure you, you, your team at GitHub has a list of regexes that you use for some of the secret detections that you, uh, you know, that you automate, right? Sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Anyway, I, uh, so that's the list. No, 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 no. We do. I, I didn't mean to make it sound like sure. Yeah. No, no. no. We we do. Yeah. yeah. Of course, we've got the secret token. Secret scanning, rather, sorry, secret scanning uh, product. And obviously there's some customization, I think, that you can, I think you can perform some customization now. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's been a while since I've messed with it. But um, yeah, no, like I think, I think my opinion on this is that <clears throat> I don't, like one thing that's not clear to me is where the results were posted. Um, did you have that information? Because the only reason I'm asking is like, I would it's hard for me to believe that 1.6 valuable 1.6 million yes. valuable secrets were leaked. I don't doubt that there are, that there are tokens that match this reg these regex and that they've found that by scraping websites that's no, that's of no doubt to me believe believe me. I well, think where I am a yeah. little skeptical yeah 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 well, and I'm I'm with you on this because I, I just posted the actual like blog post that they did, and you know, and I, I'm with you because I partly question. Okay, it sounds like great, like it feels like a, a Krebs on security article, right? Like ah, there's all this shit that's posted, right? All right, yes, but let's look at the actual data and what it is. And I don't know if these guys have uh, you know uh, claimed that's as, it's as risky as it comes across, right? Mm. Uh, but I mean. So millions of secrets exposed, right? Um, it talks about their methodology of what they scanned, how, how they pulled down the different tech and then started searching, right? So phase one, top million domains. But you'll notice that of the top million domains, they found you know 400,000 secrets of which 212,000 were reCAPTCHA tokens, right? And I'm like, right. and all right, so what can you do with the Google reCAPTCHA GNOME token? Like, really, what can you do? Right. So that, that I mean, that, that, that's a good, that, that's a valid question. Like, is, is it still useful after two minutes? Um, what, what is it giving you access to, right? Um, and typically, like, my guess is, my guess is a lot of these credentials were probably so there's a few ways I could see these credentials making their way, not like reCAPTCHA specifically, but just credentials in general, right? Um, ones that were uh, put in as an example, I could see that in like comments, you see that sometimes. Um, I could see ones that are uh, one part of a multi, you know, secret value needed type of, type of token, right? So usually, usually you need a secret, an ID, sometimes a third piece of information. Um, it could be, uh, you know, just stock JavaScript that they've pulled in that has, like I said, uh, maybe examples of, of tokens, or maybe they have actual like outdated tokens or something like that in there. I could see, um, there's just a lot of ways I could see, I could see errors spitting up a token, but it may not be like, like I said, it may be one part of the a set of credentials needed for you know, to, to, to perform some action. Um, that's an interesting question, which we can get to, but not, uh, not part of this discussion yet. Uh, so I'll put a pause on that comment just for a second. Um, and anyways, I, I just see a lot more. Oh, and also there's, uh, as we've talked about before, there's certainly libraries that when you include them in your application and an error, occurs related to that library, it will print out information. So that could be a valid way that you actually see tokens exposed. Um, it, you know, sometimes you see environment variables exposed as part of a stack trace. Sometimes you just see simply like a, uh, 
like I've told you this one before where, you know, there's a pretty, pretty pop became popular OAuth JavaScript library that was, you know, in production when, when, <laughs> when a missing value was given to it, it would echo out the client ID and secret OAuth tokens, <laughs> fun stuff like that, fun right? Stuff, yeah. stuff you would never expect. But again, like, I'm not trying to say that there isn't some value in this, but I, I do question if that's, my doubt is that it, I guess I just doubt that it's 1.6 valid credentials, right? Like, or useful credentials. Well, and that's, this is my other question, right? So if it is a recapture token, right? It's the mm -hmm. value that's generated that you have to use to prove that you're a person. Or is it like the recapture key that is used by the backend to communicate with recapture to validate the token uh, or the, you know, the, that a, someone is human, right? Like there, there's two different. Yeah. yeah uh, but even then recapture, if I remember correctly, and, and admittedly it's been probably five, six years since I've implemented recapture, Google's recapture. But I think there were a few pieces of information you had to provide. There's, there's a secret value. I'm pretty sure there's an ID value, but there's also like a uh, originating domain value as well. Right. Like mm -hmm. the URL yep. that it actually should be used for. It so again, up, it's right? like, yeah, Right, exactly. So again, like uh, that's great, um, but I don't think it's like, oh, that's like as you know, dead to rights, or you know, it's not like you're breached because of this value. So, Mailchimp API key, maybe you know, I, I you know, again, like, yeah. can it be abused? Mail, like, Mail, that's Mail, that's Mailchimp, yeah, that's kind of like because again, even then. Oh, I have to dig back in my memory banks, but I do remember it's not just a token. That, I mean, it's not to say that, yes, it probably could be abused, um, I would imagine. Um, but in what ways I, you know, I, I yeah. Well, uh, and this is always, this is always the issue that I have. Like when we do find secrets during assessments and secure code reviews is what is the real risk associated with it? And I know you've probably run into this as well, running a bug bounty program is somebody will find a secret and inevitably be like, oh, right. Like we found your, you know, Google Maps token in your, uh, in this mobile application. And guess what? I can take that and I can abuse Google Maps. And I'm like, who, like, you know, okay. Like, let's talk about the real risk of this, right? Because it's not necessarily always this like critical thing um yes there is like denial of service yes there is like running up someone's bill maliciously right which are that's kind of it with the google maps you know token that actually gets exposed um but outside of that right it like whether or not it is risky to expose some of these tokens depends on the service itself i mean you guys built that aws tool to actually go see what what AWS secret keys that you discovered actually had access to. Um, mm -hmm. Chris yeah. Gates did that because that was like, that was a, a legitimate question that I always ask is I see a token when I'm scanning or when I'm doing it, a dynamic assessment. And that's the, that's the first thing I go to. Otherwise it's kind of this informational thing because most of the time these are just like, tying a specific domain to a service or it's giving a domain the ability. So like I know uh, the screen we're looking at here, uh, it's mostly reCAPTCHA. It's giving the domain an ability to actually interact with reCAPTCHA. Uh, there, there's just not a risk that's associated with it. But if we, I mean, if we scroll down a little bit further after they scanned 500 million domains, so half a billion there, you'll notice that the exposed secrets um, I mean, it jumps up to 1.2 million, right? The majority of those are Stripe. I do see some AWS keys in there, but it's not broken down to what, you know, if that is both access and secret keys, or if it's just, you know, like an access key or a secret, like there, there's, there's, there's certain questions that I have as far as what the data looks like behind the scenes and how risky it is. Cause I don't think they do analysis on, okay, they dig deeper into the results. Well, also you have to remember, exposed. I mean, these are, yeah, go yeah. ahead. No, no, no. I mean, also like it, it says AWS cred file info and there are quite a few things will pop on that. The, the AWS secret access key 
AWS access key ID that are very likely not valid, you know, tokens. So again, I don't want to, I don't, I'm not trying to like, I guess what I'm trying to say is this is cool research. And I'm of course glad people are doing this. And of course, like, you know, it's good to bring visibility into sensitive values being leaked on the internet. I wouldn't go as far as to say that was 1.6 million super useful and impactful credentials yet. Not until I've seen like the hard data that supports that. And I realize it would be pretty hard to, to, and don't get me wrong. Like I realize it'd be pretty hard to stay within the boundaries of what's acceptable and then also verify each one of these tokens. I'll tell you what my biggest problem though is with all of this on line 41 it's not how you spell GitHub. It's capital H. <laughs> it drives me nuts. Anyway, anyways, yeah. This is, sorry, it's, it's a it's a shared pet peeve amongst those of us who have been at GitHub for a while. Um, no, all jokes aside, though, uh, you know, if you find like for some of these things, sure, if you find the secret key and client ID, and it's still a valid value like Twitter, Facebook, et cetera. Like that's, that's pretty impactful and, and pretty interesting. I think reusing this code could be pretty fun. It's go, it's written in Golang. Um, yeah. Well, and I think that's, so. that's what I was going to jump on too, is like, uh, you know, yes, it's interesting. They did this like, you know, internet wide survey. They come back with an impact statement there. That's pretty innocuous. Oh no. Front end hosts. It's alarmingly huge. Is it? Uh, like the way the internet works, I don't know about that, but the tool is more interesting because it should be easy to take this and run it against your own uh, systems, right? Like even internally to see what's being exposed, whether or not there is something interesting that's there and do some sort of risk analysis against, uh, yeah, against sites that you, that you run, right? So it's not just the regex that are interesting here too, by the way. I mean, they're, they're, if you look at, for instance, like loopdb.json inside this code base, they've got two separate um, debug indicators. So debug being turned on for Django and Laravel. So they're using, um, so I guess this gets a little bit more interesting when you consider. So like originally the way the article was written on port swiggers, it had me, it kind of led me to believe that a lot of this was just parsing basically JavaScript files on the site. But uh, as yeah. I'm starting to dig into the code a little bit more, it does look like there are, there are markers here that indicate they're looking for actually like vulnerable app, like, you know, applications that have, have been configured in a vulnerable manner, which brings me to my next point, which is if this is, cause I wonder if this is based off of like domain name spaces, right? Not just like, so for instance, it's not just like facebook.com. It might be like staging.facebook.com, right? And so that's where I'm, I'm kind of going with it next, which is sure, you may see some debug stuff turned on. Is that all, you know, are these like testing sites that just fall under the same domain name of where you're the domain name, domain name space that you're looking for, for like a given company, you know, or is it because they said like, you know, popular domain like I don't. I guess what I'm saying is maybe there's subdomains we're talking about here that are that are being scanned off of the like popular domain name spaces, and so you yeah. might if you're doing that, you're definitely going to find some like poorly secured like testing kind of environments for sure. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, that's that's just something that looking at this code, I ran across. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, they definitely say it's, you know, currently tool is at version 0.1, right? But, uh, you know, if you want it to scan for debug pages, you need to specify submit forms argument. So they're trying to walk as lightly as possible to get this data back, which is great. And that's that's what you would, you don't want necessarily want to hammer home on this kind of stuff. But at the same time, you're building a bot is what it boils down to. And then scraping the data that's coming back out. I don't know. I mean, the tool in and of itself, I'm, you know, it's pretty cool. It looks like it's pretty extensible. You can target as many URLs or as few as you want. And it's got some 
interesting features. So, yeah, I mean, if you're doing bug bounties or you're scanning a site for an assessment, it could, it's not a bad one to have in your back pocket outside of the, mm -hmm. the, the stuff that the data they pulled back previously. Yeah. Anything Sorry, else? Sorry. Yeah. That? I'm just, no, just, uh, just reading. That's all. I, I, I think, um, yeah, there, this is this is probably like you said. This is this is version. This is like the most early version of this, and there's a lot of room for this to uh, to evolve. So, um, yeah, I think it's more interesting. From I can't wait to see what comes of this later, but uh, I won't probably you know freak out about 1.6 million secret. I think it's a good. They did a good job for like press and awareness and stuff like that of putting that headline out there. I guess that's what I'm yeah. trying to say. Yep, yep. It's not a bad thing, right? To get a little interest in the tool but, i mean otherwise we wouldn't be talking about it right if it didn't show up on correct. daily swig right so yeah correct but, but this is including and i i want to be clear i include myself in this my major gripe even with my own projects rails go or weird al or whatever the hardest problem i have with with open source um, security projects is that they're, they're promising and cool and they rarely last, right? They rarely stick around. Rarely do you see a project live on for a long time. And that's just, you know, I mean, there, that's a longer conversation. You could argue it's a pro for me. I can tell you why, why that's been the case for me. I can tell you why it's been the case for another, you know, different, different reasons for different people. Um, there's always that argument, and this is part part of why we have on GitHub, you know, this the sponsorship uh, functionality where you can sponsor a project and you know fund it basically through donations, kind of like a Patreon for uh, open source developers. Um, there, there's all these different reasons, but ultimately, like I, that's the main issue is that a project will oftentimes seem super cool and super promising and just doesn't, you know, doesn't last. I think some of the ones that have lasted, Metasploit, right? That's lasted. Breakman lasted a long time um, in terms of being, you know, purely OSS. Um, then there was Breakman Pro, and obviously, uh, what is it? Uh, Synopsis had had uh, had acquired Breakman. Um, you know, so it's usually either the case a, a project becomes super popular and then gets acquired, or the project just dies off. And so this is sort of a, and there's another issue too, typically with security projects and Andrew Wilson, I would love to get him on. And, and, and uh, for, the, for those who don't know Andrew, he runs Cactus Con and is, uh, I think he's like an exec over at Bishop Fox. Um, yeah. Stack and Lou for uh, us older hats. Uh, <laughs> but now it's it's Bishop Fox. Cheetah um, Biscuits. But anyway, yeah. Cheetah Biscuits. <laughs> but uh, um <laughs> <laughs> that was a DEFCON conversation like years ago. <laughs> Anyways, he, he brings up a good point too, that a lot of security tooling has security, like security people aren't great at creating secure products. And it's true. Like no. a lot of security tooling itself is insecure. It's just a, it's a, it's genuinely been a fact uh, <laughs> looking at many security products. Um, so anyways, uh yeah, it's just, I don't know. There's like some level of fatigue around cool project. Let's hope it sticks around kind of yeah. thoughts. Yeah. And, and then, yeah, whether or not it's actually maintained. I mean, in this case, like, you know, depending on how long Red Hat Lab sticks around, if they're using it for internal tooling, there's probably a, a greater uh, expectation that it will. But uh, yeah, in general, it's most of these are labors of love. Like somebody has an interesting idea which is why you definitely see even like you can even see this if you go through the list of um, uh, plugins for Burp Suite, right? That there's stuff that started off super cool with somebody's idea, and then it hasn't been updated in you know five six years. Still kind of works, but it's pretty janky. Um, as opposed to the ones that those plugins that are kind of sponsored by Portswigger in Burp Suite, and so they get you know first class updates, they get, you know, new research pushed into them. Uh, so I don't know. I, like it, I mean, it's open source in a nutshell, right? As far as what's actually supported and what's actually, what actually sticks around. Um, Cause the level of interest and the level of community engagement is also pretty lacking. It's usually one or two guys. And once they move on to the next thing, that's it. it 
Yeah. It doesn't one, or, one or two people. Yeah. One or two people. Yep. Sorry. You're no, right. but um, I was no, but I was going to say like also another thing that kind of hampers security open source world stuff is that like you'll create something for your bear. And then you, you mentioned burp suite extensions. I have definitely written my fair share of burp suite extensions for specific needs that I had in the moment, handed them off, hoped, you know, somebody would contribute. Nobody did. And the reason is, is that it's super niche. It's super point in time. It doesn't, it doesn't need to be reused by other people. And honestly, if someone wants that functionality, it's probably not that hard for them to rebuild it with their specific purpose in mind. So I think that's another thing that kind of hampers security tooling and open source efforts in general is just that like basically everybody wants to write their own thing because they have a very specific need and typically want to have, I think there's a lot of factors that go into it, but I think that's another factor is that, you know, when you write a tool, like how many times I can tell you when I was writing Burp Suite extensions, most of the time that's because it was had to do with a pen test. It wasn't like for fun. Yeah. It wasn't because I like had a, a budding interest. It was like, this client's using some client app to talk to a SQL server database and they're doing some stupid compression formats, like three layers of compression formats that nobody should be doing, but they are because they probably just don't know how to do things right. And so now I have to deobfuscate this garbage and try to intercept it and, you know, make some changes and then recompress it in the specific format they'd like, you know, and then rinse, repeat, go on to the next pen test. And then you have another thing that's similar to that, you know. And, and that's even before Burp Suite had support for Zlib compression. Don't even get me started back in the, the Zlib compression Z-Lib days. days. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So. <laughs> that, that, those were the days when you'd strip out the, you know, <laughs> you would pull GZ out of the header just so it wouldn't <laughs> compress, right? Yeah. Yeah, if you could be so lucky, sometimes you, that wouldn't be enough. Wouldn't we have just, enough, yeah. yeah. Depend so on the was, app or depend on whatever. Yep. Right. Super context specific. And you're usually doing it for like a one week, two week and well, you know, like a two week engagement and then just move on. And honestly, I've written more code that I've just trashed and forgotten about than, you know, anything that's ever stayed around anywhere. Been released. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yep. And that's, I I mean, that's pretty common. I, I think that's what we struggle with is making something, you know, platform or, you know, assessment agnostic right? Making a generic tool that works in multiple situations and can actually be crafted, which is, which is why it's so great to see. And this leads to our next topic, right? But it's, it's so great to see the tools that can be applied in that way. way. So I'm thinking, so Burp Suite, like the ability to build plugins, extend it, uh, Metasploit, SQL map, SQL map. Yes. Like uh, the plugin architecture is almost critical for security tools because no application is the same, right? Um, there's very few. You can either go very specific. So like with Breakman, right? Breakman is very specific to Rails, Ruby on Rails applications. It's not going to work to scan your Django application or your Java struts application. It is very specific to Ruby on Rails customers. Um, same thing goes with something like PumaScan, right? That source code analysis tool that Eric Johnson has built. Um, it's very specific to .NET Core 1, 2, 3, right? Like, and if you get outside of that, they can't actually scan those code bases because that's where the problem becomes very, very difficult to solve. And you see Synopsys and these other large corporations throwing millions and millions of dollars at trying to solve and make these generic scanning tools. So there's that approach. And then there's the plugin approach like SEMGREP has taken, like, or R2C, I guess I should say, and you know, these other, uh, you know, security tools that are out there. Um, so, and that leads us to actually, you know, a repository that we, that was just released recently that has a list, a bunch of SEMGREP tools or SEMGREP rules built into it for very specific use cases. That kids is called a segue. A segue. Yes. There you go. All right. And I mean, the only reason I was put, popping these in here is because uh, we've talked about it for a while that, you know, SEMGREP has the ability to write these custom rules to improve your code review process. And these guys are actually releasing it, right? Um, Where's that? Okay, so it looks like it's, I don't even know who Eltham, okay, so they're out of Australia. 
whoever it is, right? But they've written a bunch of uh, rules for their different assessments that they've done on different code bases. Here's our personal, or not personal. Here's the uh, the Elt Elt Tam uh, (laughs) Elt Tam website, which is actually is a trusted trusted services for what matters. So it's an independent security company. That's what it is, not an individual. Uh, Although it's probably driven by an individual. But yeah, yeah. See here, Um, finding polymorphic typing. Yeah. deserialization issues, uh, find spring rest entry points. Oh, we had a question about spring boot as well. Someone asked, uh, are there web, this is the one I said, I'll kind of put punt off for a little bit. Um, so yeah, the question is, are there any web apps written in spring group nowadays? Yes. The answer is yes. Um, we've got some checks here for struts, rest two entry points, use of extreme from XML. Uh, yeah. Okay, so pretty cool. And contributing, there's a contributing markdown file. So let's see. Oh, cool. So you just, yeah, just uh, not a lot of guidance, just, you know, submit a pull request. But they do list the uh, the SEMGRAPS community Slack channel. And that made that's what I said, oh, about. I was like, man, I should be in that SEMGRAP community Slack channel. Um, because I've been using yes. SEMGRAP more and more. More and more. Don't, well, don't tell my my employer. <laughs> what should you be using, Ken? It'll Come be on. a secret between us on the internet. <laughs> I'm sure uh, it will be. <laughs> Depends on who's yeah. listening. Yeah. But so I, right now, well, it just seems like pretty Java specific is what I'm looking I'm looking at the rules section and they have Java and then YAML Kubernetes bits here. But I'm looking at what that is. These are maybe just config files. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's I think it's okay. actually, yeah, it's it's analyzing those. The the, the config files themselves. They're, they're Sorry, they're analyzing the config files is what it looks like. Yeah. Right? Not yeah. crazy here? Yeah. Not crazy here, no. Well, not on this specific thing. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah, those are those are tests, right? Like, yeah, interesting. But it's a a, it's a good call, right? Like to actually see how someone else is using the tool and how they're extending it. So some of these may get rolled up eventually into the SEMGREP public rule set. Um, wouldn't surprise me if they've already been added, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And so you, because that, I mean, realistically, that's what it's about is giving back so that you can actually see and use those tools against the different code bases. Um, and it's why we, yeah, it's why we do things, right? So, Yeah, does, does SEMGREP, let me look up if SEMGREP themselves have a list of, uh, I mean, they have their own rules, but I'm saying like if they have a, just a repo where you can clone the entire rule set, because I know they have got rules up on their SEMGREP website, their r2c.dev website, but uh, I'm looking for a GitHub repo or, or a GitLab or Bitbucket repo, whatever. You know. GitHub.com. It's probably under R2C. Oh, Trail of Bits has their public SEMGREP rules. There's a lot of people contributing to these to, to SEMGREP rules. Ooh, Lewis Arden. Someone's by Lewis Arden here. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So if yeah. you go to GitHub, uh, return to course. Man, there's pretty much like if you're using, if you're doing an assessment, you for sure should be using SEMGREP because there are just tons of rules out there for anything you're, for, for anything you're probably, probably anything you're reviewing is what I'm trying to say. Very, very cool. Yeah. It looks like I just, I just found that there's the registry. They are in a GitHub repo. Let's see. I'll mm. post them here really quick. Oh, man. So last week, by the way, we had our uh, live hacking event uh, for yeah. GitHub. Um, man, those things are intense. Like for those that have never <laughs> participated in one, um, you know, uh, they're, they're like I, this. This is the first time, by the way, we've done one where I wasn't like, triaging all of the the submissions so it was a little weird to watch from afar now that we've got like actual teams to handle these specific things um but anyways it's it's 
incredible what people find. Like, it's very, very impressive. Ken, are you still there? Or am I the one that's dead here? Hmm. I think we lost Ken. He is glitching. <laughs> Apparently, someone is eating packets at Ken. He's running through a denial of service stack right now. And it's not me, right? Like I, at times I always think it's me. Yeah, Ken is frozen. So he's talking about his live hacking event. Maybe we'll get back to that. Let's see what he actually responds with here shortly. Um, outside of that, let's see, since it is just me now that's broadcasting live, um, the other interesting items that I was looking at this week, uh, there was the recent um, hot tub hack ah, hot tub web bugs hacking release that was there. That was also on the daily swag. Um, basically, access control vulnerabilities that are always so difficult. Yeah, apparently, yeah, kids are on summer vacation. Somebody's watching too much Netflix streaming at uh, Ken's house. Um, but let me let me pop this up here really quick because it was a, it's it's fairly interesting and this is what we run into with a lot of IoT devices this ability or this um, fact that we miss a fair number of um, access control issues because we just install whatever happens to be out there right um, so let me share that let me share that screen out quick and this will be the last thing we talk about I'll follow up with Ken later because I'm not sure what exactly is going on with him and his internet access. Anyway, so web interface, Jacuzzi, smart tub app, um, iOS and Android, they both, you know, have a module that they can you know, talk to their, you know, talk to this Jacuzzi and actually do things with it. Um, admin pre uh, customer credentials were returned in the actual first admin panel um, blink if you'd miss it by a redirect, right? Like, so screen recorder could actually, like all of these, all of these services that you use, you don't necessarily know whether or not they are secure, right? Um, it's very difficult to know any anymore. Like any, any device that you pick up at, you know, from Amazon or walmart.com or, you know, hell, even the data that's being sent back and forth to China or Alibaba cloud or whatever cloud that's out there. It's always a hard thing to know where what what you're actually dealing with unless somebody is sitting on your network and looking at this information um, when you're looking at these apps these are the same things that you'd want to be looking at uh, to determine whether or not you actually want to use it right um, chrome local overrides right it was a fairly easy way to to dig through and find these vulnerabilities and i know the more that we teach people about these right like other people in our company, as we're looking at applications, also dive into what they use on a daily basis. And the number of vulnerabilities that are out there across different uh, localities, different across different government applications, it's not just this Jacuzzi web app. I, I'm surprised that a lot of stuff doesn't get reported or doesn't actually come back nowadays without um, some level of vulnerability in it or people just aren't looking at it, right? There's only so many security researchers and security people that are out there. And most of these these web applications are not necessarily in scope or they're not joined to a bug bounty. And that's where we probably have the most problems that exist. So all I wanted to say there was, was be careful and um, make sure that you are uh, taking into account how secure a device is before you pop it onto your network or before you use, uh, you know, use a specific application. Uh, it doesn't mean that you necessarily need to run through an assessment on every single item that's out there, but at the very least, take that into account before you, before you use something. 
And otherwise, I know we were going to cut it short today anyway. So let me see if Ken, oh, machine froze. He's working on coming back. We'll see what happens if he actually makes it. Um, otherwise, right, um, from a Spring, I knew Fujin asked in, on YouTube, are there any web apps written in Spring Boot nowadays? And my answer there would be yes, Fujin. Like Spring Boot, Spring Boot security is actually a pretty commonly used Java framework for large, especially large Fortune 500 corporations. Uh, there's a lot of Java that lives in banks and other places. And this, um, let me, somebody asking for a, a link to absolute AppSec. So let me see. I'll drop it into that, into chat as well. Um, yeah, so as far as, sorry, uh, I, miss, I lost my train of thought there. As far as Spring Boot applications are concerned, uh, knowing how those applications are put together is a fairly important, like if you want to go into the consulting space and in, especially in secure code review space, you are going to run into Spring Boot applications. Um, and I, we could have uh, Cole and his team over down in uh, Australia confirm that as well. Those guys I know are dealing with a lot of Java applications, but I definitely see that across the board. You'd be amazed at the number of like .NET, you know, ASP.NET applications that I still see, uh, Java applications, you know, Spring Boot, and even things, um, Spring especially, uh, but even some struts is thrown in there from time to time because those applications, once they are written in a corporate environment, are not thrown away. Right. They typically use them year after year after year. They provide some sort of business value and will only be re-architected or rebuilt if there is a specific need or reason to do that. Um, think about your large banks. Um, we were talking about this recently at a, a training course that I gave that you know the banks that are out there, you'd be surprised at the tech that they actually run on. I mean, we still have mainframes. We still have COBOL applications that manage a lot of financial uh, transactions for large corporations. Uh, and it's because they do it extremely well. They've been doing it for years. It's completely solid. And um, it, yeah, hold on. Ken's asking for a the stream. Let me see. See if you can jump back into it there. Um, yeah, but you would be surprised at the tech that's actually running behind the scenes. Um, so it's not the latest Django node um, Rails applications that run most of the infrastructure that you depend on on, for a, on a daily basis. Most of it is things like old Java applications, old, old COBOL applications. Let me add Ken to the stream here. Ken's back. Yay. Hey, sorry about that. I am not sure what's going on. My computer just crashed on me and it's taken forever to get back up and running. So I am going to okay. be on the phone until we, until I can switch over to the laptop. Well, I, I mean, we were just kind of wrapping things up anyway. I know we've got a hard stop today with some other calls and things like that. So sure, yeah. um, I was talking through Spring Boot and how we actually still see quite a bit of it. I do in the corporate world, especially um, Java in general, but Spring Boot's actually probably a more modern framework than some of the stuff that we see. Uh, and then I can't remember. Oh, you were talking about your live hacking event. Um, do you want to finish up your thoughts there before we close it out for today? Uh, no, but if you ever have questions, or I mean, yeah, sorry, yes, I would just say that if you have questions about um, these events, their value, I would say they're 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 valuable. Um, there's a lot of lessons learned. I think our, and honestly, I'd love to have Jill. I'll probably just invite Jill Monet Carallo, the um, uh, she's the director of our PCERT and Bug Bounty teams, to to discuss, you know because she's got obviously the most updated information. It's been a few years since I've done a live hacking event, uh, like literally managed, you know, triage, all that stuff. So um, yeah, I'll probably invite her on to ask some questions, but yeah, overall thumbs up on it. It was highly fruitful um, and very interesting and like worth it. So, yeah. 
It's a, it's always interesting to see how people chain different vulnerabilities together in those live right. ha- hacking events, especially because a lot of I, I mean, as a you know as a third party assessment firm that I run, right, like a little consulting firm, most of the time we don't go as far as the bug bounty guys do, right? Like they're looking for okay, you know, if I can classify these two or three, or I can chain these two or three vulnerabilities together and gain like all this access, then you know that's where they get the payout, the big payout. Most of my time is spent finding those two or three different vulnerabilities and then talking about the risk that can happen and asking companies to close them out, right? It's very rare that I get a, you know, a request to, hey, take this as far as I possibly can because we're trying to find as many of, as many of those little vulnerabilities that exist that are out there. And sometimes they are critical, but most of the time they're more like low to medium risk vulnerabilities that we identify. To be honest with you, I mean, even as an internal assessment team, you know, that's I've I've said this before many a times, like that's also it's the same similar kind of thing. Like we're not. Yeah, I can't we can't spend a month and a half on an assessment or digging into one part of a feature set for a a very, very, very long time. We we're going to hit and run and try and find the most impactful bones within the reasonable amount of time that we can spend on it. And then, you know, use other other methods, you know, to include the bug bounty researchers and their work to augment and add to those those existing efforts. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, yes, do we want to ship with like vanilla XSS and C-Surf and IDOR and stuff like that? No, absolutely not. And so that's our job, to your point, um, similar to a consultant. But, you know, when it comes to very in-depth, very difficult chained especially chained vulnerabilities yeah it's 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 very difficult to do and so i think it's a lot of a lot of value with researchers uh yeah work yep it's a different it's a different pronged um you know security attack or security um event that you do definitely want to take advantage of as long as you can handle the triage and handle the vulnerabilities as they, as they come in so bug bounty like i as a security consultant i don't necessarily view bug bounty as competition so much as it's a compliment to what we do um, and ba- and as a security team right like it's it's definitely it levels up the security of any organization so cool all right well we've we've had a lot that we talked about today um yeah find us on slack i did post the you know the slack channel in um on the youtube chat and let's continue the conversation there um, and if you're going to be at Locomoco SAC or at DEF CON, let us know. We'll do an absolute AppSec get together at both those locations, depending on who's available. Um, yeah, Seth, let's create a Locomoco SEC 2022 um, channel on Slack uh, to connect with all the folks that will actually be there. I know, I know at least three people for sure that are in our Slack will be there. So you, me, and Neil. So uh, and then we can invite whoever else is going to be there. Yep. Okay. All right. I will create it. And let's see. I'm doing it right now. So if you want to join, it's just locomocosec 2022. Neil NDM. Okay. All right. Sweet. Um, all right. Well, then everyone watch for it next week. We will be posting from uh, locomocosec from Hawaii. And yeah, we'll let people know how the conference is. But otherwise, appreciate everyone listening. And we'll talk to you all next week or soon. Thanks, everyone. Ciao.